the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday's sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the Post Sunday Blues, a preaching post mortem. Season three, four, five? <laughs> Season something? Still going, and we have permission that the writer strikes permits us to record, even though others are on strike. <laughs> is that what all the, yeah, that is actually what all the, the uh, TV podcasts are yeah. saying, featuring actors, actresses. So yep. are you an actor? Do you really, are you just pretend pastor? I'm a member of the Preacher's Guild. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When are you going on strike? Uh, I'll get back to you. Okay. Yeah. Um, We're not unionizing anytime soon, so we should be fine. Right. Well, I am here to welcome myself back because I think you Mm. welcomed other people back to the Post Sunday Blues last week. That's true. Without me, with a a substitute in place. Josh, thank you for t- taking my seat. I'm sure I, uh, you, you've done a great job of um, hounding Jim, and now it's my turn. Yes, and everybody on Sunday wanted to know how you're doing with your sexy pink footwear. Yep, Barbie pink. Um, it's not the best, but actually, if you um, if you are ever on crutches, you don't have to do laundry, you don't have to cook, you don't have to clean, you don't have to shuttle four kids around. Um, suddenly, like, I magically don't have to do those things, so it's not, like, that bad. Yeah. My, <laughs> my joke with people is, and if you hadn't had that foot surgery, I never would have known who did our laundry and cooking. Um, you actually, you have had to carry a lot of, a lot more households weight, so I appreciate it. Yes. And I just, really, it, I really it, do. <laughs> I am, so I, yes, I was on sick leave last week. <laughs> Um, Injured reserve, let's call it. Intro introductory podcast. I now um, slightly elevating my leg and speaking. Um, But yeah, six more weeks in a cast because I tripped. It's not a fun story. It was not a fun surgery. So we're going to move on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just for the record, it is a all equal on hand hands deck laundry service at the Anger household most most of the time, and I did know who did our laundry. Uh, oh yeah, beforehand, so. yeah, basically, so, so people know. Basically, someone else is doing my laundry now, which <laughs> is really great. Um, but let's jump into call it stormy Monday. The purpose of this this podcast hmm. was that sorry, you or me? Sorry about that noise. That was me. Shocking. It's preseason for us too. Off your game. Okay, we're gonna have to keep warming up. <laughs> Calling it the Stormy Monday, hmm. um, where we're diving down into your sermon, um, laying a little background. It was a, it is a like a, a in terms of plans for podcasting and sermon prep, like yeah. it was a kind of strange thing for you to like start with a psalm and then jump to an, to the to the start of your podcast series and then jump back <laughs> to your right. psalm again. Can you uh, explain the setup a little? So we are not continuing the sermon series that I just started on the book of Colossians for the fall. We had Kathy Santavanez, who just went on the Liberty Communion mission trip to Eswatini, being interviewed by Derek Del Rimple as sort of the centerpiece of the sermon time this past week. 
and I just did a little intro orientation to international missions. And yeah, so not ideal sequencing in some ways, although it's on me that, that it was this way. I, in an ideal world, we would have had Kathy sooner, but as we were just planning out after she got back, we were gone for, for a while, um, so it was just scheduling. But then on the flip side, I, I wanted to make sure that Kathy got a, got a wide hearing and platform, mm -hmm. right. and we had a lot of people every summer. People are gone at the shore and otherwise, so saving Kathy to talk to us the fall didn't seem like the worst thing in the world either, and it was great to hear from her this past Sunday. Right, for sure. Um, and just for some more context, like what exactly... Um, is the harder the the vision behind having Kathy share, having Derek um, speak to her, and like how is that relating to this sermon? Okay. If you're, I mean, the well, question is like, what is the context of the sermon? What are you What are you hoping to do? What are What were you hoping to set up mm -hmm. for the interview with Kathy? I was hoping to show this is why international missions is important, deeply rooted in the biblical story, and why we need to hear hear more about it. So the stereotype M is that for churches in the West, most of the time international missions are not on our mind, but then you have to wait until specific mission Sundays one way or another to, to get the emphasis. And in some ways, that's what we did this past Sunday for, right. for a special focus. Hopefully it's not absent the rest of the time, but I wanted to tee off Kathy in, in the best way, in the best way that I could. And I do feel like both within the Liberty Communion and Liberty Collingswood, we have some momentum related to international missions moving ahead and growing. And so it felt like the right time to give it to give it more of a more of a spotlight too. Sure. So what was it about this passage? And I guess we could blend the Stormy Monday with Sun Studios. Yeah. Um, what what was it that spoke to you? I guess you were saying that this is the quintessential missions passage in some ways. Is yes. That, is that totally true? I guess so. Yeah, from well, from, from the Old Testament especially. It, so this was on my mind as a potential sermon passage focusing on international missions, most directly because I preached on it just a couple of weeks before this, thinking about benediction. I forget if you were in the service for my, I, I think it was I Labor Day weekend. Think. You may have been post-op yeah. at, at that point. Mm -hmm. So... I I use this text to talk about God's good word of sending for us and thought it would be fun to go back to it and and use it for missions. So even the let the nations be glad line, we have a few people at Liberty Collingswood who know the name John Piper, a pretty famous preacher from late 20th century, still alive into the early 21st. He wrote a pretty influential book on the importance of international missions called Let the Nations Be Glad based on Psalm 67, 4. And so kind of the two basic slots for passages about international missions. You have Great Commission from the end of the Gospel of Matthew. You will be my witnesses, Acts chapter 1. Uh, I reference both of those passages. And if you go into the Old Testament, you'll have either this or part of the Abrahamic story where God says you'll be the father of many nations. And because this was just going to be a sermonette, um, I didn't want to get too fancy in picking a more obscure vis-a-vis -vis international missions sermon passage sure. that would have required more time to interpret to kind of get to the point of showing, hey, and this passage is actually about international missions. So I wanted something that was pretty, sure. 
pretty clear and straightforward. So we could just get to the yeah. get to the main event. By that same measure, Derek Dalrymple on Pentecost Sunday, if you remember that far back in June, there's an annual Liberty Global Missions uh, Missions Day that we're keying on Pentecost Sunday each year. Derek preached on international missions then, and he did not choose one of the passages traditionally sure. associated right. with mission Sundays and that sort of thing, which I thought was awesome. So Derek did the hard work. I copped out and took the easy way forward sure. this time. Sure. And it, I, it's easy, but it's easy because there's a, there's a clear focus and a clear call to sending. Can you talk a little bit about the connection between this particular sermon and the benediction sermon that you had? Like, what is what are the connecting points? So Psalm 67, if you look at the, the way this psalm is used, especially in Judaism, and worldwide missions for Judaism is something pretty completely different than how Christianity thinks about global missions to begin with. So there's that larger category difference, but then also in Judaism, whether ancient or modern, Psalm 67M is not really a psalm associated with international missions, but instead one that's used in Judaic liturgical worship as the end of the service benediction, right. mostly going from the beginning of the psalm. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, which mm -hmm. is an echo of the benediction, the blessing that God gives to... Aaron in Numbers chapter six. Okay. Uh, may may God be gracious, bless it. May God be gracious to you, bless you, cause His face to shine upon you, and give you peace, etc. So, yeah, that that's the that's the benediction angle. And so right. when we are, and and then I guess the connection to missions, and um, M did when you went back and listened to my sermon, did you like it from a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> I mean, I think I, so if I was post-op, I actually- Fair enough. You, you were listen. pretty drugged up. I did listen oh, to Oh, yeah. It. You you watched it live, so uh, I'm, I'm teasing for but, no reason. But I don't remember it. Yeah, that, that's okay. You, you, you were, <laughs> I was on a lot of medication. Life was a natural high for you. <laughs> a, with, a natural high. With a lot of, with a lot of medical aid. Um, post-op. So the, the connection to missions I mentioned in that sermon was with the benediction- at the end of the service, what do I usually say as connective tissue before giving the call and response in the worship folder? We, As we have been gathered here, we now have six days to live, speak, and serve as God's very presence here in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs or wherever God has placed right. you. So there is this sending aspect to the benediction. Sure. We've been together for worship. Now we go engage in right. mission, which actually captures the, the both psalm. sides of what the psalm is going blessing plus sending at the same time good question yeah that's great um that is interesting makes you like it, it yeah i think it it feels like a natural yeah um connection point not so, one or the other and I, I see you turning your page uh -huh. over not not so fast au contraire what else a couple more things related to this this passage the the whole idea about praise going forth from Jerusalem around the world as nations and people groups uh, come to know the one true God. That that through line comes across very strongly in New Testament where Jesus says, go therefore make disciples of all nations. Jesus saying, you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth in Acts chapter 1. And there's even a uh, 
And I went back and double-checked the Septuagint, the ancient Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures, the end of Psalm 67, God shall bless us, let all the ends of the earth fear him. That ends of the earth language is picked up uh, both in the end of in Matthew's commission and Jesus in Acts 1. You have end of the age in Matthew, end of the earth in Acts. Those words in Greek are different words than the one used in the Greek version of Psalm 67.7, but I think it's a similar idea and commentators still draw the conceptual connection where to the very uttermost regions of the world we are called uh, to spread the knowledge of God and Christ that more people would worship him. So a pretty easy New Testament connection. And at this point, too, I tip off in the sermon. So we didn't get any any writers in. Our download numbers are good. We don't. I'm going to talk to Pat. How do we get more? Howlin' Wolves back in the fold for for, mean, you could, for another like, season. Just have Pat uh, aggressively <laughs> pursue people with like a notepad after church. <laughs> so, so, so Pat Pat could be the Howlin' Hound. Yeah, something like after that. the Howlin' Wolf. Like... Who hounds the wolves uh, is yeah. the question on everybody's mind. So, I did tell people, hey, listen to the podcast for us to talk a little bit about the perennial question, and, and it is a perennial question. Uh, what about people, the eternal status of people that don't hear the gospel? Right. Like I remember um, when I was first asking questions about faith in college, this is a question that I brought to you and you mm-hmm. had lots of, you'd studied the question a lot mm-hmm. uh, in in high school going into college your, yourself. So can we spend just a minute or two yeah, give sure. give me an answer about that? So if it's the case that I said in the sermon, Jesus is the one person of eternal consequence uh, in relation to heaven and hell for all people all over. Uh, and plus talking about international missions, what do you do with people that are living in areas that haven't heard the gospel yet? Uh, is it fair of God not to give them ent- entrance into heaven? And yeah, that's a, that's a tough question, and I have a couple of thoughts about it. Do you, do you, have, do you have Okay. <laughs> Anything you want to add? And the answer is, Jim, keep talking. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So, big print and fine print. The, there are a couple of fixed points as I look at the scriptures. And so, do people need consciously to confess the name of Christ in order to be saved? Mm-hmm. I think loud and clear the biblical answer is yes. That's kind of the whole point Mm -hmm. of the worldwide witness of the gospel and the book of Acts. Multiple In multiple points, you hear permutations of the language, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household, etc. So that's why Jesus said, therefore, go make disciples of all nations. That's why Jesus said, you will be my witnesses all over the world. That's why you have the book of Acts, from the very beginning, Christianity is a missionary movement because the good news of Jesus needs to go across the world. Right. And I, I think any Christianity that that doesn't clearly articulate that is heading in a sub-biblical direction. But it raises questions about the fairness of, of God, which I get. Another fixed point of how people inside the church have tried to answer this question, but I think have gone a little too far to undercut what I think the scriptures teach clearly 
uh, one example that I thought to pull, uh, Karl Rahner was a 20th century Jesuit, so a Roman Catholic theologian, who developed this idea of the anonymous Christian. I don't know if you've heard that phrase, but one of the things that Rahner talked about was dealing with the question, what about people that haven't confessed the name of Jesus? Are they, is there no way that they could get into heaven? And Rahner developed this idea of, well, what if there's this thing called anonymous Christians, where even if they haven't heard of Jesus, don't know who Jesus is, don't confess Jesus, may even deny the existence of God, but live in such a way according to the light that they have in comportment with the contours of the gospel, God can save them too. To me, that's just too far outside of what scripture actually talks about and says. Mm -hmm. And so I I understand what Rahner and people that adhere to the anonymous Christian sort of idea are are going for, but there's just too much Bible in yeah. the in the other direction. So that that's the big print. The the fine print, and this is something that I've shared with people in conversation. So if what I just said was the articulation of the majority of Christian theologians throughout the centuries, at the same time there's an affirmation among those same theologians to the question, hey, will there be more or less people in heaven than we think? Most theologians historically have said have said more, and it's been pointed out that in the in the mainstream of the church, there are allowances within the church of people being in heaven that are not necessarily naming the name of Christ. And so you have a couple different categories. Uh, infants mm-hmm. that die, infants that are aborted. Um, uh, typically in Christian homes, there's counsel given to families. And I've done the same thing when uh, David and Bathsheba's son dies, David says, my son will not come to me, but I will go to him. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's trust and hope in the covenant promises of God that God will show mercy uh, and give heavenly peace and eternity to, to those children. And then also you have in both Catholic and Protestant theology, what about uh, people that are mentally impaired and don't have the capacity to consciously confess Christ? Mm-hmm. Typically, the answer is, well, within the church, let, let's have hope uh, for, for them as well. John Calvin, Reformation theologian, when wrestling with this question at one point said, the church is bound to the means of grace, but God is not. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's some nuance there. And I, if you push it too far, you get in the territory of the anonymous Christian, which I, I want to be on that. record as saying, that's I don't not, think that's, that's a biblical idea. Um, but Calvin is saying, for the church to be on safe biblical ground, we hear that you need to confess Jesus to believe, and that's the whole point of the church in a lot of ways. Um, if God, it, can God and sovereign mercy work beyond that? And then you hear stories of missionary encounters where Jesus appears uh, in cultures uh, where no missionary has ever been and no communication of the gospel has been, but Jesus just shows up and starts doing things and saving people. Is, is there some crack in the door for God working beyond what we conceive of as the regular means of God saving people 
yes, um, I think that's also true. But the the more you flesh that out, the shakier ground, sure. ground you get on. So if like this, if 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 somebody wanted to explore this more, or um, what are you pointing them to, both in scripture itself as well as uh, external? Well, resources? I'm pointing them to postsundayblues at gmail.com. Oh, because you just answer their questions. I I have a couple of. <laughs> Uh, theologians that I trust that have written at more length about this, okay. and I could I could send some some excerpts their their way. Last thing I'll say here, and then we can get to muddying the waters. Uh-huh. The I mentioned briefly in the sermon. Uh, if you're rattled by this question as a modern Christian, at least take some comfort in knowing that this is not a modern question, and sure. this is something that's been weighed and wrestled with by the mm-hmm. church since the very beginning, which mm-hmm. on one hand, I think should give us confidence where, hey, do you need to believe in Jesus to be saved? And that's where the hope of heaven comes and there is no hope outside of that. Uh, the answer is yes, because that that answer has been road tested, biblically mm-hmm. weighed by Christians for, for generations. So this isn't just a new idea that's right. that's come up. I Yesterday on my day off, I was reading a little bit uh, treatment uh, a scholarly reflection on the theology of John Owen, the 17th century Puritan. I remember speaking of college, that's not all I read on my days off, but uh, (laughs) uh, the back in college, I read John Owen's death of death and the death of Christ. And that's a mid 17th century English scholastic Protestant Christian work on the atonement where John Owen there wrestles with the question, what if there is life on other, this is not the main point of the, (laughs) of the treatise, but uh, he spends maybe a page. What if there's life on other planets? Uh, It would Jesus be the necessary means of salvation there too. And his answer is yes. (laughs) God would have to work it out because he's doubling down on the fact that Jesus is necessary for salvation, including a conscious confession of him. So more fun reading the Jim the It has been it has been weighed. (laughs) Our son was telling me about his glasses and I asked again, like so do you have books that you're reading for this particular course and he was like no still no books <laughs> yeah of of all of the expenses related to college that we're aware of one less category of expense is it used to be for us like I'm buying so, textbooks so was this huge yeah. beginning of every term yeah. expense but just not so anymore it's just all pdfs for a super note instead Oh, I wish. <laughs> no, I think he actually is. Oh. Or, I mean, he was like... Well, iPad. I, iPad, but... I totally think, different. I think he'd accept a super note. Uh, <laughs> he, he can't handle a super note. Okay. Um, he needs pixels. So, we have solved Generation the Z problems brain. of, of uh, apologetics and, and um, believing in Jesus through the nations. Yes. Let's jump into what was fun or difficult about constructing this sermon. <laughs> so that's well, part of the difficulty for sure. Like yeah, we're blending into that. But, right. Um, tell me more about like okay, so there is that piece of mm-hmm. what diving into the scriptures. But yep. Zooming back out again, um, what are the what are you trying to speak to? So two there? things that were two things that I'll say were fun. One, and I don't normally do this in a lot of sermons that I do, but it was fun to talk about kind of a local window into our micro history with international missions, talking about the two strands of uh, Tim Keller Redeemer Mm -hmm. 
Western urban church planting push, and then also the New Life Presbyterian right, Church right. of uh, of Glenside Streams. So, so that was fun to to unpack a little bit. I, I don't know, Em, or actually with some of our missionary friends, you've heard them express some frustration with uh, Redeemer NYC. Sure. Uh, or just church plant yeah. urban church planting in the West is taking away from international missions. That right. that is something that I've heard from actual mm-hmm. full time overseas missionaries. missionaries who are like, hey there's no one stepping up to replace and it does it parallels maybe culturally where we are. Yeah. Not wanting to and that's something that's another, I guess, complexity mm-hmm. towards um missions to like separate the gospel from cultural colonialism colonialism and yeah. um and n- not wanting to um necessarily change culture right while also sharing the gospel and so some of the some of the difficulty of um entering spaces i, I don't know but but also it's probably i don't know speculation like it selfishness Americanism, like nationalism, like yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I'm not, I haven't thought about it enough. What makes Americans or this like what has caused that? I guess turning to urban mission has been easier. Yeah, I but... guess that, yeah that that could be one of the that could be one of the streams as as well. Mm-hmm. And the one of the things that I didn't get into the sermon. So I was speaking in broad terms when when I talked about in the late 20th century how in downtown areas there's a ghost town as far as churches it's kind of talking more about the white church more than mm-hmm. right. uh, more more than ethnic churches so, so if I was talking at more length I would have given a qualifier there there are plenty of immigrant churches uh, black churches, Hispanic churches in in urban areas that that have persisted throughout mm-hmm. the the recent decades, and it's also the case that this emphasis among white Christians to go back into the cities has coincided with gentrification, gentrification right. and and all this other stuff. So 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 these things are complicated, but it doesn't obviate to me the theological church planting reality that a lot of missional resources, missions resources mm-hmm. has gone into domestic church planting in urban areas over the past decades. Whereas before that, the new and sexy thing to do was global missions. And, and, and that has hurt the, hurt the movement, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and, and, and so I think that's something just to acknowledge and say, hey, we can do better and we need a more balanced, balanced a- approach right. when it comes to missions here and there. And, and the reality of globalism and immigration patterns is that even to draw this hard and fast distinction between church planting here and missions overseas mm-hmm. is itself a false dichotomy because the people are emigrating all over the place in, in all directions. So there's a lot of what used to be considered global mission taking place in global cities, but not necessarily overseas. Sure. So wheels within wheels yeah. sort of thing. It's, it, it is interesting. I think um, also your call to try to engage um, maybe our culture just to, to maintain cultural fluency and that concept of maybe we are too navel gazing and yeah. um, 
self-centric um and so just expanding outward our vision into the nations seems like an important um context for just humans not even christians right yes for us as americans right and so kind of the second thing that was fun um goes in that direction for sure weighing the question are we sure that international missions is good Mm -hmm. and i wanted to engage with people on different sides of various political aisles and theological aisles here. Not that those two things are coextensive with one another. Uh, The whole urgency idea, I think it's the case that, and and we we financially support the work of the gospel overseas in a few different ways. Uh, that's, That's a monthly reminder to me of, yeah, we believe that Jesus is good news and that people need to believe in him. So we're spending money on mm-hmm. this and, and putting our personal resources towards the proclamation of Jesus uh, in faraway places around the world because we believe that heaven and hell is real. And uh, Jesus really is the best news in the world that, that, that needs to go forth. And I think that keeps me in game shape when it comes to the status of my faith. Uh, because that's there is an urgency to the gospel uh, all the time, and international missions has a way of bringing the question to you: Is this something that that you really believe? But the balancer on that is the being engaged with global missions uh, makes you more culturally fluent and also self-critical of of one's own culture, mm-hmm. and in ways that if we didn't engage. Uh, we would we would miss, um, and I think there is that that's true of conservatives, also progressives. One one example in the progressive direction, and we were fortunate to vacation in France in August, and so both the two of us, and then also uh, with our kids, talking about how a progressive vision of the world among secular people in France is in some ways pretty fundamentally different than secular people. Right. Here in the U.S., so 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 it's not that there is one progressivism that's obvious in all times and all places. So, right. so so there's cultural conditioning that goes all the way down, and by by engaging with people groups, ideas different, it keeps us nimble as far as hey, what's the old wineskin? Mm-hmm. What's the new wineskin sure. for the biblical deposit that's been that's been given to us? Uh, and I think that's. At its best, the missional movement of the church throughout the centuries were early adopters mm-hmm. of being self-critical about culture as a result of coming into contact with missions. Was there colonialism? Was there imperialism built in? Of course there was, but that you can go too far in one direction or the sure. other uh, when there are both strands. Right. Um, and yeah, and just from taking it back to the granular right now level, like just having talked to people who are currently missionaries, like it does change perspective, um, like my perspective, just listening. So I think that the value of like, um, supporting missionaries who then will report back to you the, the work that they're doing on the ground, like is a helpful, um, it's doing all those things that you're saying. It's helping you engage with culture. It's helping you engage with um, an understanding of the urgency of the gospel. It's kind of like helping you to like shed off the American Christianity part yep. and um, think about like what 
the core gospel part of Christianity is. Yeah. And it, it gives us a Holy Spirit wake-up call, too. Yeah. And you hear all these crazy stories about the Spirit doing things around the world. And sort of the pressure point for American Christians, including me too much of the time mm-hmm. when I'm not really aware of the Holy Spirit, doing anything here in the U.S., whether in churches or in my own life and heart, the either, as we hear all these missionary stories of gospel encounters where the Spirit's more right, active in various working. ways, mm-hmm. either either they're wrong or we're wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. We can't both be right. right. Uh, yep. It's a zero-sum game. And I choose not to believe that uh, the, the overwhelming mountain of cascading stories about the Spirit's work around the world as the mission of Jesus goes forward is all made up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that comes back to me and says, I am underappreciating the work of the Holy Spirit yeah. uh, in my life and my time here. So good wake-up yeah. call. And I think there's also there that connects to what um, you were prepping the uh, congregation for as they were listening to Kathy and to mm-hmm. her kind of encouragement yeah. to go out on short-term missions and like what what right. that um, vision and perspective can do. Um, I know there's also counters to like how you could be using the money usefully to like support people who are in full-time missions. But I think short-term, short-term mission, missions um, like what Kathy did yeah. um, can help frame you. I, we also, our, our son Micah did a short-term missions trip of his own kind yeah. of. Um, this past summer. This past summer, and he came back to us. Um, I, yeah, I think just like really reflective about about how God works in in different ways. Um, yeah, and I think with it with some deeper faith expressions and commitments as right. as well. Seeing seeing the church at work and the work yeah. of the gospel in in other places. All that's true. So good call, Esquitini. Next summer, twenty twenty four. We shall see. <laughs> um. South Sudan just got, became too dangerous. Is that what happened? Yeah, it's super, I mean, it's... So Liberty Liberty Network used to be a partner um, sending short-term missions to South Sudan. Yeah. Um, and we still do partner financially, but it it's a remote, enough, remote and unstable enough place that it just became super hard to get there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it, it it's on our radar. We'd, we would love to do more there. Uh and in some, it's two sides of the coin because it's more unstable and so remote that should make all the more urgency for us mm-hmm. to say, hey, we've got to find ways to help. Um, uh, and I think we are in a lot of ways, but the on the ground presence has been, has become has become more more difficult, and and that's been another thing that's made missions harder around the world. We, we have these missionary friends that were on a home assignment and still have not gotten back to mm-hmm. where they've been for a lot of years because, because instability has yeah. beca- literally because, Military of a, coup. <laughs> because of a coup. <laughs> That's right. Um, that you aren't hearing about in the front pages. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, so I guess I the takeaways from I think that the Sunday seem to be like it is like considering short term missions like Kathy's or supporting for me it is has been um like just a consciousness as we support missionaries who are reading their stories and um inhabiting their worlds for a little bit. I think that's a healthy thing to do. Yeah. 
Um, if you want to know more about missionaries, you can support. That's Derek, right? Yeah, Derek? and the International Partnerships Team. Or you. <laughs> you well, I'm happy to talk, but talk but to but go to Derek and the other he and other team yeah. members would love to have these conversations. Right, for sure. Um, anything else? Cut things you nope. want to cover. Let's move to bar band cover tunes. We did. You did throw in a Bruce quote. <laughs> oh, I forgot that. I, I I didn't have it. Oh, that was just a that was have a, it noted here. I, I think I, I was planning on saying it, but it uh-huh. wasn't. It, it didn't make it into my yeah. my notes. So it's a town full of losers, and I'm pulling out of here to win. South Jersey. Is, was he talking about South Jersey? He actually probably not. You, Central Jersey. New Jersey, just the whole state. Does he believe in Central Jersey? Do you think? Uh, he, he's a New York looking North yeah, Jersey guy. That's what I'm saying. So um, also just canceled the rest of his tour first. Uh, gastric issues that's sad yeah bruce Hmm. okay enough about bruce um you had the quote from was it um from manny Manny ortiz Ortiz. yep um it's from an article in a book called confronting kingdom challenges a mm -hmm. book about the the necessity and complexity of doing international missions it's a book that i recommend um he was in the front of the worship bulletin right yep um, I think that's all I had. I, I tried to keep references to a minimum because yeah. it was a shorter, you had shorter sermon. Yeah. But he's like a given. <laughs> was he a well, reference? Or was he a, as he far was... as as far as people that I quoted. Okay. So. Um, you quoted Harvey Khan also. <laughs> I referenced Harvey Khan. Didn't quote Harvey Khan. Well, I referenced the part, title of his book. Barbie and cover tunes we is are. not like is is yeah, this no, that's only true. That's, reserved that's right. for quotes? Is that nope. what we're saying now? No, like, no, we're not. Saying, we are emphatically defining. not saying that. So you are you are right. <laughs> um, and you referenced liberty, uh, just the work in uh, Esquitini and that kind of thing. Yep. Um, okay. Yes. Uh, guitar Slim Pickens, anything else that you wanted to share? The, two quick things. The, um, I, the, there, there has been a resurgence, and this is connected with racial unrest in this country um, over the past few years. There has been a reappraisal in some Christian circles of the Western missionary enterprise. Mm. And so even today, I got an email about a conference uh, that talked about deconstructing missions and doing missions in a post-colonial way. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those conversations there, I think, can be helpful. Others, I haven't been super interested to tune into for two reasons. One, with some of the super, super anti-colonial missions deconstruction things, I just don't hear a lot of Jesus which doesn't mean that everything they're saying is is bad, but really for centuries you have in every generation uh, impulse to de-Christianize Christian missions. So uh, that impulse is not new, and I would be more interested if I would hear, hear more gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, missions without Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected uh, – and this is historically borne out as well, uh, ceases to become Christian missions within a generation or two. And, and then the other thing that has made me think, I don't, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this until I see evidence otherwise. Um, 
those voices are painting with a really broad brush as far as saying, hey, Christian missions has been horrible. We've been totally unself-critical in previous generations about how to do missions as far as cultural sensitivities. Now we know that we need to do these things. Mm -hmm. To me, as I go and read the history of Christian missions, there's a lot of stuff that we need to stare down and own because it's negative. But then at the same time, I think there's been a ton of healthy self-criticism and reflection from Christian missionary discourse uh, (laughs) generationally that I feel like is being ignored by some of this newer scholarship that that makes me hold it as a little suspect. And then also I I cut for time a little bit another um, sidebar about how I feel like both the secular right and the secular left in our country struggles with globalism, although in different ways. But we needed to get we needed to get to Kathy and Derek, and that just felt it was towards the end of the sermon, and it was. I thought you could find somewhere in Colossians to stick that in. Yeah, (laughs) I'll come. I'll come back to it. Yeah, if I was writing sermons, there'd be so many little brain. paths wandering off i know that's right (laughs) um we had no howling wolves it is a sad time but but it's because we abandoned them yeah (laughs) so again we'll get we'll get pat on them or someone mom and dad are home again everybody yeah yeah, you can come back right right in your (laughs) questions um comments (laughs) concerns right um how was your summer jokes random random ramblings i don't know yeah um we'll be in good shape yeah to, yeah and we're you're good. writing specifically to post sunday blues at gmail.com i don't know why you do these voices uh, <laughs> um yeah f- feel free to share this share this podcast uh it says rate review subscribe still on my yep. notes i'm not i still am subscribe sure but <laughs> let's, let's get a five-star rating on itunes just one. I, I, iTunes by far is our most downloaded uh-huh. platform still. Yeah, because even though it's personal. an automatic download. So people are downloading, but they're not necessarily listening. I, I think they're doing both. So write in to, make, Hello, to help us know that you're listening. This is cynical. Um, I, I, I did want to give a shout out as well. Our Five Golden Things ooh, series is, yeah, is also restarting as of last week. and Or two weeks ago, I guess. Uh, we have one more episode of Kathy dropping this Friday, more missionary stories. Uh, And uh, if just in, Kathy talked a little bit about this on Sunday, trigger warning for those of you who get travel stress when flight cancellations and things happen. So there, there was plenty of travel stress there. And Pat and I are building out our schedule of five golden things for this fall. We have a lot of good episodes coming up, so Fun times. don't touch that dial. <laughs> there are no dials. And with that... Hi, Rini. How was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more post-Sunday blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. Happy.